Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, helping higher education marketing leaders share knowledge about learning, strategies, and tactics that are relevant today. See what you can learn today by listening to one of our episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, hosted by Concept3D. My name is Shiro, and I will be your host today. And today, I'm really, really excited to be talking about something I think that's hot for the whole world, but also starting to get a little hot for the higher ed industry as well. And we'll be covering AI tools in higher ed marketing on how to add them to workflows, concerns, suggestions, and, and much, much more. And for that, today we have our guest speaker, Kyle Campbell, founder of Education Marketer. Amazing guest. We've had him on the show already before on a previous episode. So welcome back, Kyle. Thanks for having me back. It's it's always a good sign if someone asks you back on a podcast <laughs> and actually follows through on the promise. So thank you very much. It's good to be back. It's uh, one of my favorite shows. Thank you so much, Kyle. That means a lot to me to hear that. And you know, today we're going to be talking a little bit more, you know, conversationally around AI tools and how we can make an impact or how higher ed tools teams can really be utilizing these tools. And you know, I'd love for us to kind of just you know get into it. Um, you know, I think as a premise. Lots of higher ed teams are really strapped for resources, right? They're limited in resources, whether that's headcount, funds, positions that are open, but just they can't fill them, right? There's there's a huge need for it right now. And, you know, there's there's a lot of potential opportunity with AI tools helping to reduce time, uh, make teams more efficient so that you can get work done and less having to do less, um, you know, repetitious work or work that is, is grinding, right? And so... I think there's a lot of opportunity and it's, it's a great conversation for higher ed marketing as a whole. And so I wanted to kind of start there and, um, you know, where are you seeing AI tools really being useful in higher education, Kyle? At the moment, a few clients I'm working with are exploring ways, like you just said, like getting greater efficiencies out of uh, the, the projects they're working on. And uh, some of these are a wider ranging projects. Some of them are a bit more um, simple and focused. So on the simpler end of the spectrum, um, one of the most common things I'm seeing is uh, university marketing teams using these tools on existing content on their on their website. Some of those high traffic pages in the in the UK, and I imagine it's probably similar for you too, are are, are program pages that outline what the the product is, right? And we we all know that those pages sometimes suffer from being very academic in their tone, right. not necessarily written for a, a younger audience, uh, you know, a late teen audience who are prime customers. So it's just a case of taking that existing content uh, and giving it to something like to chat GPT-4 and saying, I, I like this content, it, it's truthful, it, it works, but we need it to be focused towards this audience that we're targeting. And bang, you know, within about 10 seconds, you've got your first draft, right? And right. in the past, you'd normally have to engage your team, brief them, or, you know, go for a freelancer, get a copywriter in. Now, I'm not saying you still don't need copywriters. This is a, a skill set that's very valuable. But if you're strapped for resources and you just don't have them available at that time it, it's a really viable option for you to just make those quick edits and adjust your content so it's suitable for the right audience i love that yeah and, and just taking one step back i think if you're really beginning your ai tool journey and maybe we can focus around chat gpt just because that's obviously the 
the tool that's gotten the most recognition is, you know, what, what I believe it really helps, you know, if you're starting out in your AI journey is where can AI help with copywriting? Like you just mentioned, a great example of taking the program pages, which are sometimes maybe too long in text and too academic and changing the tone, maybe shortening the length so it's more digestible to your ideal customer profile or the, the teens, right? And the students in the teens. So that's copywriting help. One area I think, you know, also it can really help with is content ideation, just to sort of get the the wheels turning. Because I think as a marketer and as a creative, sometimes like you clean your whole room and then you sit down on your laptop, you make a smoothie and brew your coffee. And like <laughs> you need to get in this mindset and cleaning your room, brewing the coffee, making breakfast. That's two hours right there, right? You'd be like, okay, now I'm ready. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes that's what it takes, right? And maybe like just to just to start to spin the wheel of content ideation, I feel like that's a really strong tool. So now you don't you can skip the the cleaning your room and the coffee and you can yeah. you know be like, hey, like what are some ideas that are top of mind right now? And maybe what it spits out and you know outputs is is not good, but you can use that as leverage mm. to you know, keep, keep the ball rolling. So content ideation is also a, a strong area I think it can help with. And also research as well, right? It, I know there's a lot of data to back that you should not trust data from GPT. And I've seen that single-handedly. Like yeah. I've searched titles and they've associated with the wrong institution, like quite frankly, completely incorrect. Mm. But also just, you know, to like figure out what kind of research is out there just to use it as some, um, as very, very draft zero maybe draft minus just just to set the tone of where you're starting but those yeah. are kind of three areas i think that are really good to start out with if you're starting your ai tool journey do you have anything to add to that like any also areas that you're seeing it utilized yeah i mean and definitely on that that first draft ideation um uh, scope a major unlock for me when using it for that sort of tool was um understanding that it wasn't just a case of doing one prompt but actually having a conversation with it and i think the best way to look at it is you know when you go to an agency and you you give them a brief well if you gave that agency a one-line brief quite naturally the result you're going to get back is either a terrible result that doesn't match what you want or they're going to come back and go can you give us a bit more detail please <laughs> And right, I think it's okay. the same principle with th with this tool. Um, and when I'm using it, I, I I often think about it as like a you know, like an actor on a stage, right? And you're the director in the wings, and this actor is very skilled. They have all this knowledge about how to perform and do all these amazing parts, but they need to know what part they're playing. So one of the first instructions is you've got to tell it what it needs to act like do you want it to act like a marketing consultant do you want it to act like an academic you've got to give it these different tools these different levels of prompts and then it's a back and forth conversation as you shape that output whether that's a piece of content or you know a plan for a workshop maybe you're analyzing some some data whatever it is it it's never going to be your one line prompt and done it, it, it's going to be a series of conversations in a and chats in a thread and you'll get to your result uh, eventually. So yeah, that, that really helped me thinking about it because, you know, you see a lot of posts on LinkedIn where uh, people right. have taken a screenshot of ChatGPT and there's like one line and then there's the result. And the post usually goes saying, oh, this isn't very good. Right. You know, this is a terrible output. Of course it is. <laughs> you know, you're not using it right. You've got to treat it like a, a partner.
Amazing. Yeah, that makes total sense. So maybe like if you are a VP of communications and you tell your content writer in the, in the past, you know, like, Hey, like Marissa, go, can you go write about moving week for me? The 2023 fall moving week. Like, <laughs> If that's your prompt that you're giving to your employee, like that's, she's going to be like, well, what do you want me to talk about? Like, <laughs> yeah. What student body, who's the audience. And so you have to really frame it. Like, just like you're giving a task to any one of anyone on your team, you have to really treat ChatGPT like that. That's, that's what I'm hearing you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, you think of all the complicated work that PR teams and unis had to do when, uh, you know, a new piece of research drops. And I imagine so many people have this brief, like they've got this amazing piece of research and then they're asked to write about it for, for an audience of, of, of the public. That's an incredibly challenging mm. role, but now you can take something like that, a, a briefing paper with all this detailed, like academic information on it, and then ask ChatGPT to simplify it for you. So then you can be creative in your storytelling and still use all those skills that you were hired for, but you can cut out that awful part of your job that involves mm -hmm. translating what something actually means with a subject area expert. I mean, I'm, I'm not a journalist. Uh, but I imagine if that's the sort of thing that you're working on in university, oh my, I mean, if I could shelve that part of the process, I, I probably would, so I could be more creative. Love it. That's amazing. And I, I was just thinking back to, I love, I love what you opened up with, the taking the program and digesting it into smaller pieces, bite-sized pieces and for different audiences. Like I remember when I was a student, understanding programs was so difficult because of mm. the language. I mean, I'm an 18 year old coming in, you know, trying to learn, like I'm not really used to academic language yet. And that was very difficult to understand. And now I'm thinking like you can even use ChatGPT to, to prompt and create maybe like short scripts for like videos that your social media team can be using. Like, Hey, like, can you in three sentences <laughs> break down this business program or something? And you can take those three lines, put them at, create a script around like a, a TikTok video or mm -hmm. an Instagram video to advertise to students about different program offerings your school has. Like, that's like, a, I feel like a great idea. Like even to even simplify your idea more. Yeah. And, and again, it taps into that idea of uh, speed and scale, doesn't it? Because think how long that would normally take you to, to break down. There's a, a, a brilliant app. Um, and it's built on the same sort of technologies as ChatGPT, but it's called supercreator.ai. And it essentially does just that. It turns you into a super creator by 10x in the work mm -hmm. you're able to produce. So you use a mobile app, you type in the, the topic you want to create something ab about, like a video, and it then generates 10 different scripts based off this one topic you've put in, or if it's a, a URL of a web page, you can start off this process in many different, different ways. And it will uh, create the script. It will create the video backgrounds. It will give you effects and, and stickers for your video. And it does it all in this one mobile window. So you can have like a real basic input, but then you have that content for an, an entire series on this one idea if, if you wanted to. And, Again, it's a, it's a first draft. You need to edit and play around with it because you are the creator, but it just increases your workflow like a, an incredible degree. It's it's almost like we've unlocked these superhuman abilities that we didn't know we needed. 
Um, right. Now, where, where was all what this was stuff like two years ago? <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that one just called? That I've never heard of that application. Supercreator.ai. And the, the great thing about it is hardly anyone knows about it. Like the, the company dropped a video on YouTube and it might be different now, but when I watched it a couple of weeks ago, it only had like mm-hmm. 3,000 views because there's so many things dropping, right? We can't keep up. Uh, but yeah, right. it's just all kinds of little gems that if you get in first, you can suddenly, you know, get in front of your competition and they don't even know what's going on, <laughs> but you've got these AI tools supporting you. It's, it's a very... Uh, it's a very interesting time to, to be in marketing. I love it. Yeah. And I think I actually joined another call with high ed web, shout out to high ed web, great higher web, higher ed web organization. I, I joined a webinar and, you know, kind of along the lines of taking that program page and, and, and dumb, dumbing it down or not dumbing it down. Sorry, that's the wrong word, but simplifying the, the language and making sure that the language is targeted to your audience. A good thing that they talked about is, you know, it's, ChatGPT is really strong for taking good sourced long form content. So, you know, academic long written content is usually a good source of, of information and so well written. They found that ChatGPT is very, very strong at, at simplifying and shortening long form content that has a really good base. And you can use that to create email copies. So maybe you want to do an email campaign to let students know of a new class that's become uh, available in their program or a new offering they can you can at prompt ChatGPT to be like hey can you create a 300 character email about this program great use case example another one that i thought was really interesting was uh, you can take that same program page and it's probably similar to what you were saying is is hey can you use the program language to create a thousand word landing page with call to actions mm-hmm. to sign up for the program and it'll help you spit out a very base of a landing page. So you, you have something to work off of, a blueprint to work off of. I thought that was really cool as well. Um, and then obviously we went over the social copy thing, but you can just really just take one strong piece of long form content, break it down into social, email, landing pages, call to actions, and, and so much more. And I thought that was really amazing. Something yeah. that, again, going back to the business perspective, you're saving so much time. Yeah, and, and I I see these um, various features all being brought together into ChatGPT now. Um, so I don't know if you, you you saw it recently, but the founder of um, OpenAI, uh, the creators of ChatGPT, he um, he did his TED talk. As you know, I think he deserves it, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and he was showing some of these features coming down the track for for ChatGPT, the, the app itself. Uh, and essentially, the OpenAI is rolling out plugins that support functionality within um, the, the ChatGPT application. And he demoed it by asking ChatGPT to create uh, a, a suggestion for a post-TED meal. So what food you're going to eat post this talk. It then generated an image within the same window. Uh, it then created a digital shopping list so you could buy the ingredients in ChatGPT at a touch of a button. And then he posted everything together that he just created in a single Twitter post that linked through to a web page. We used to do that for seven apps in different screens and chopping and changing everything, but he's done it live on a TED stage, probably within about five minutes of a live demo. And, you know, I look at this and think of all those operations we, we talked about there about creating landing pages. 
well, it doesn't take much of a stretch of imagination that maybe there's a plugin to you know develop like website designs within ChatGPT, and I and I believe there already are that it can um, right. create web pages from sketches and drawings. That might not be ChatGPT or a plugin, but I've definitely seen this demoed in a some sort of AI interface. So we're not that right. far away from you know your example of literally not just doing the copy and the content and CTAs, but actually creating the page um all for a chatbot interface i don't think we realize how amazing that is it's it, it's quite a step change you know we you had mobile like what early sort of 2000s and with the dawn of the iphone and how that changed right. the interface and i think we're moving to that next interface change now which is essentially going to be a you know a text box that we type what we want into it and then it magically creates it for us how amazing is that? That's amazing. Yeah, and I, I'm just thinking in, when when higher ed, taking the example of the TED Talk, like maybe after orientation week and you, you want to send T-shirts and mugs to all the parents, right, and send a calendar. And maybe there's a way to use a chat-generated prompt engine to add that to a workflow that you've already created that's maybe integrated with the system so that you don't have to manually create all these things anymore. That probably took a lot of time, right? Think, imagine yeah. like having to set that workflow up. Okay, after all these students, of the students who showed up, send their parents t-shirt, mug, calendar. You might be able to just prop that on the fly. Yeah. yeah. And when you think that through, like your marketing team yeah. looks very different to, to how it does now. And, you know, I've been right. involved in... You know, when I when I used to work for universities, actually as as an employee, um, I remember these campaigns and all the different people you had to talk to to get this sort of stuff done. Um, and you always will do to an extent have people representing certain areas, but you look at a technology like this, and it's not far off being able to automate a lot of that process. And you know, really, don't we all become managers? Then we're just managing our AI assistants to to do these things for us. You know, you're the you're the creative person. You have all these things at your disposal it's how you use them but i think we're moving into a new a new area i love it yeah it's 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 so fun to talk about and also a little scary <laughs> but i <laughs> oh, think yeah yeah as, as marketers you know i think there's just that's just the next thing is the next learning curve is, is learning how to use the lies these tools and i think for higher ed again like i just know you're expected to do so much more with less now and this is almost a, a sign of relief. Obviously, there's going to be a period of learning how to use the tools and for them to become sticky. But um, I think it'll help alleviate some of the, the tasks that were repetitious, time consuming that you didn't enjoy in the past. And I think that'll be actually a positive a net positive for yeah, marketers in general. I, I, I agree. Um, and I think every technological innovation we've had in the past, like you have the initial sort of terrified workforce that they're going to be replaced but then because there's new technology all these new opportunities are created around it um you know look at the you know the creation of like the you know the the car for instance right you you, you get rid of horses but then you need garages roads all of this infrastructure don't you and that that's another avenue of employment different skills required it's, it's just the same with technological infrastructure we're going to have a very different uh, workforce um appear over the next five years uh yeah, there'll be a lot yep. of money in prompt engineers that's for sure love it and again going going back to my conversation that i listened into uh, i think it was yesterday uh around 
how you can also use ChatGPT not just for you know breaking down that long form content, but you can also use it for keyword research. I think Brian Piper, shout out Brian Piper, uh, he mentioned that you can use ChatGPT for SEO optimization and SEO research. So uh, you can you can easily find out you know good keywords to use, and you can relay those words back in tools like SEMrush to find out uh, volume, search volume based on the keyword. And then once you know which which key terms you want to use based on volume and that you know are going to be relevant to your topic, you can prompt ChatGPT to say like, hey, can you write a 600-word post, blog post on this topic? You know, making sure you have the proper prompts, right? Making sure it's very detailed. You have the audience, the voice all captured. And then you can say, hey, can you please use this H1 keyword or this keyword in the H1 and then please sprinkle these four keywords into the copy um, and you know that can help kind of alleviate some of the SEO implementation that you've been having to do as, as a writer as well that was a great example that I really loved it makes you think what's going to happen to SEO because um, there used to be the barrier that you had to create the content and do all that research in SEMrush and whatever platform you're using but if you can create um say several pieces of content built around a, a pillar and a cluster model that we we deployed in seo for quite some time mm -hmm. to, to good success um how does google respond to that when suddenly everyone can can create content at scale and you know obviously the quality of the content matters and i'm sure um that the, the the content that has that more creative element in it will, will probably do do better um, and then there's the risk that Google might penalize AI generated content, but it, right. I, in the past, yeah, the, the barrier has been able to have a, an SEO team to create this stuff. Well, you know, now you, you don't necessarily need that to quite the same degree that you needed in the past. So yeah, lots of opportunities. And, uh, I really do, uh, wonder what that SEO community must be thinking privately. Positively, they all sound very positive and really happy about this technology, but yeah, right. it's a it's a huge shock to that community and, and how these tools are are being used, especially with I think we mentioned beforehand, didn't we, with uh, uh, actual AI in in search and how potentially if you have an AI right. generating one hundred percent personalized content in the search engine results page before the click happens, like what happens to right. web traffic? <laughs> it goes down, yeah. right? So. Yeah, big, big it. impacts coming there. Lots, lots for unis to be thinking about. Yeah, I'm happy to kind of move on more around like the rules and concerns topic here, starting mm -hmm. with yours. And I think if I understand you right, Kyle, it's that uh, just I'll give a very specific example so you can understand if if you're a student and traditionally you searched, OK, I'm a student who loves rowing. So I want to join a rowing club. I want to go to a school in the Midwest. Where do I go to, right? And they'll maybe come up with a series of short prompts that they would have searched in Google search. And then, you know, maybe a school in that region would pop up as a result and they would start their research there. Or maybe they'd use niche.com to figure out, you know, what school would be good for them. Maybe it'll take a little more research because they'd have to go to the website and figure out the rowing club situation, right? But now you're saying a student who's armed with, uh, with ChatGPT will go in there and create a long prompt of exactly what they need and then ChatGPT will spit back out the school. And so on yep. the institutional perspective, how do I optimize so that I show up in the prompt? That's what you're asking, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, 
with with Google, you get a series of results, but with an AI assisted search, you, you, you literally get the answer put in front of you. And, you know, like you said, you, you could make that prompt, that request for information as long and as detailed as you want, and you'll get back the exact response that you were looking for. You, you don't need to wade through content, skim content and find what's relevant to you. It's, it's literally there. And in mm. terms of defending against that, if that's the right word to use, <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to, we, we need to change SEO strategy. I, I still think it's good to have helpful content on the web. So don't get rid of it for God's sake. Um, but I think it does mean we need to look at protecting ourselves in case search as an organic acquisition channel isn't as fruitful as it has been in the past. Mm. And, you know, for me in, in the universe I, I work with, you know, we were looking at how we can work with our academic thought leaders, how we can help the university be known for, for certain topics, um, off the back mm -hmm. of certain content marketing programs, building email lists, building content marketing properties, podcasts, subscription programs as another means of getting people acquired through different channels and helping them build trust with us over time. So they're more likely to convert when we, when we ask the question or give them the opportunity. Right. And at the moment we do heavily rely on search as a way people find us, um, and, and make a decision. But that it, for me over the next five years looks a, a little bit more risky than it has done in the past. Cause in the past we've had the knowledge of what goes into good search engine optimized content right. and anything we can't optimize we just pay for but we, we right. don't know what those models are gonna gonna look like so i think it's fine to keep doing search optimization makes sense but you really do need to look at content marketing and even create a partnerships whatever it is but we need to diversify from what we've been doing because right now we're heavily indexed uh, towards search acquisition right yeah and that's like either paid or organic, right? You were mentioning schools rely on what, like 30, what were the numbers ex exactly again on organic it, search? It ranges, but yeah, typically the, the lowest end of that spectrum is like 35% acquisition via that channel, which is high, um, highest organic, I've seen. Right? Yeah, organic. Okay. Um, the highest I've seen, it goes up to like 65, but it could be higher, it could be, could be lower. This is based on personal experience, but as an acquisition channel, search is the dominant way that people right. yeah, so, are, are acquired. Yeah. So you can, it's potential. We're just, we're just, you know, uh, theorizing here, but there's a potential that in the future, or maybe five, 10 years now when students and anyone related to higher ed, they might not be using Google search prompt. And so that, that channel just could, could slow down or, uh, become a little I bit think, smaller yeah. and smaller part of your website journey. I think slowdown's right. Um, mm -hmm. and the other thing we probably need to consider is how that changes the role of a website. So at the moment, if people are discovering you primarily through that channel, your, your website has to help them learn about you. Okay. But right. if they start to learn about what you are through via other channels, whether that's AI generative search or social media as a discovery mm -hmm. channel, it sort of changes the role of what the website is. You know, maybe the website's a place they go to convert before for whatever events you've got or something like that as the mm -hmm. as the key conversion metric whatever you're whatever you're uh, measuring but yeah i think the the idea of the web as a storytelling place might le might be diminished slightly it's a very complicated picture but yeah i, I think we see that the web 
reducing its impact as a discovery channel and other channels like social media it's probably coming more prevalent yeah. in that space yeah it'll be really interesting to know um from seo experts in the near future around you know how ai tools like ChatGPT pull information into their outputs <laughs> like are they pulling from higher domain authority websites aka higher ranking yeah. seo pages or are they pulling from every like we don't have an understanding of how it's pulling that information that it's outputting and so i think knowing that would be really good because if it is the former which is you know just it's similar to a search engine where it's it's giving authority to the top search ranking sites mm. then the basic you know, theory behind it whether you might have less tracking or not or less traffic is you want to build a really strong website with great information that has a lot of backlinks has domain authority and so yeah it'll be really interesting these aren't bad things are they they're they're not going to go away um right right yeah yep and you know i love this topic around concerns and maybe some rules to follow you know i think yeah there's this there's a little uncertainty around you know how the organic channel is going to perform in the future there's a good chance it could get smaller you know one thing i'm hearing around we've talked about prompting a lot now and you know what you're searching and putting in the the chat prompt but one thing i'm hearing is you know if you're putting garbage in expect garbage out so yeah um if you're asking you know a five word question in chat gpt and expecting a long answer like that's not how it works right i think this goes back to our initial conversation around like Mm. treat treat chat gpt and other uh, ai prompts like it's an agency or an employee and give them very thorough directions and one quick fun tip I learned actually is you can ask ChatGPT, how can I make this prompt stronger if you don't know? <laughs> is You can ask that five-word question and they'll give you a, probably an answer you don't like and say, hey, how can I make my prompt initial prompt stronger? And I thought that was a really good tip because you can actually ask AI how to make the prompt stronger and they'll probably get back to you and say, can you tell me more about the audience? Can you tell me how long you want the article? Can you tell me what industry or, you know, I'm not sure. I'm just giving examples, but that was a great tip. If you're really unsure of where to start. Um, mm, that's that's a great I think we've hack. already covered this. <laughs> Isn't it? I've, I've, wrote, I've written it <laughs> you know, down. And I'll yeah. actually, I love it. Yeah. There's actually, um, I, ha- I have a great resource. This guy, uh, Moritz Kremp, uh, shared on Twitter, 22 chat GPT prompts that will make your life much easier and, well, although I know he's highly contested right now, Elon Musk even replied on the on the Twitter thread and said, these are some amazing suggestions. Thank you. So Elon's <laughs> well, that's even... him authenticated then, isn't it? He's made now in his career. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's got almost a, thousand, a million views, just shy of a million views. I'll share the link to this uh, in the recording notes as well, because I think some of these prompts are really legendary. And the first one is asking... The first suggestion out of the 22 is asking ChatGPT, how can I make my prompts stronger? So I thought that was very powerful. Um, Yeah. Anything else you're seeing, like rules, you know, things to be worried about that you're seeing from you yourself or your customers? I mean, on the hacks angle, one of the best ones I discovered was telling it what it was getting wrong. Um, We we see so many examples of prompts that it doesn't meet your expectations and the, the default human response to a machine is go, Oh, you know, I'm going to get annoyed now and walk away from it. You've got to tell it what it's getting yeah. wrong. It, it will never learn. And I've got right. threads when I'm, I'm working through it on certain topics and I've told it back and forth how to get better at certain things. And 
lo and behold, eventually you get there because you're you're helping it understand. You know, you, there's all kinds of things you can do. You just gotta just you gotta try and treat it as much like a human as possible. I know that sounds really backwards almost, but if you're not happy with the result, tell it why it went wrong. Equally, um, you can if you need it to help make a choice for you. Maybe it's giving you like five different synopses or headlines you can say well which one do you think's the best and then tell it what the definition of the best is and it will take your criteria and work it out for you so it depends how much involvement you want to outsource to it but yeah it's all kinds of creative ways i've got a cheat sheet on chat gpt on my desktop or again like you i'll include it in the show notes because you've got these mega creators on linkedin now who are suddenly really clued up on this stuff <laughs> But last right. month there was something different, but um, they've got loads of really great things you can just like, pick up for, for absolute free and just try it yourself. Love it. Yeah. And this is probably very, very, very basic, but you know, our thing is definitely proofread everything. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned earlier before I had asked for a list of contacts that I think would be good for this podcast show. <laughs> and so uh, I, I tried ChatGPT with it and literally gave me a name tied to the wrong institution like, <laughs> like i'll give it, it would say kyle campbell uh let's say you uni- like harvard university professor <laughs> or something right Maybe like, one day. they would su- <laughs> <laughs> they would uh they would suggest the right person like they were a legit person but for some reason that the company they work for their title was always wrong like 50 percent mm-hmm. of the time so make sure you proofread everything like you know whether that's you're trying to export a list or it's a blog post like it should really just be your first pass and you should read through everything and treat it really as an infant that really needs a lot of guiding. And I think you can avoid a lot of mistakes and errors. And um, if there's any sensitive information, don't put it in chat GPT. I think Samsung got a big red flag. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, make sure you're not searching any sensitive information at all. So, you know, be, be careful that you still don't know where any of this information is getting logged and might spit back out to some other user. So definitely recommend that as well. I mean, there's a couple of bits I've got. Um, and again, it's more caution than, because I don't want people to be discouraged. You need to play with this stuff to right, get good right. at it. Hallucinations are quite frequent in, in chat GPT. I make stuff up. Um, I did a show like, like this recently and I wanted to have the, the transcript analyzed so I could summarize it and I asked chat GPT to do it and it goes, here's your summary and here's some of the kind of pull out quotes. Not one of those quotes was accurate and the sentiment was the same, but the quote was not in the transcript. So check it. Uh, we're not at the point yet where you can just very simply outsource it and trust it to, to do the work. Um, the other thing was, that's gone out of my head now, um, hallucinations and, oh yeah, copyright as well. Um, there was a case in the US recently where someone couldn't copyright a graphic novel, um, because the images in it were created by mid journey and the rationale for not being able to copyright them. It wasn't because they were generated by AI. It was because the, the human involved, the human involved, like I'm talking about mm-hmm. we're separate species or something, um, uh, was, <laughs> didn't do enough creative input on those images. I edit them afterwards, uh, to make them, uh, their own. So be careful with this because if you're using it in your job and you create a, an amazing image, it might not be protected by your brand's copyright. 
okay mm-hmm. um so yeah that's one thing you need to just be careful with because there's no hard and fast rules for this this stuff yet um so use with it AI. for ideation and concepts yep. but the, the final piece i'd be quite cautious at this point yeah i love that point yeah and ai generated images video media definitely want to make sure that it's copyrighted that's that's a great point especially if you're putting it out from the institution which mm. has very strict brand guidelines in most cases so that's a great point yeah you know one one thing i heard that i really also enjoyed is when you you know when you have someone on your team that just has a creative eye and it helps make the brand and everything that your department or team or individual puts out what it actually is it's the yep. identity it's the soul if you have someone on your team that is that person don't cut them out of the process <laughs> Because there's no way that any AI tool is going to do a better job than what they're doing, right? And so I think a good example of this, Kyle, is like no one's going to – you can't replace what you're doing with your newsletter and your daily post with an AI, right? That that authenticity would be lost in the snap of my finger. And so, yeah, like if you have anyone in your team who's just got an eye for creating – uh, student success videos that are, do really well on TikTok, hmm. and she does all her own copywriting and content. Don't try and you know force these tools on that person because it w- don't take away what's working, and don't take away anything that has authenticity and so on. I, I really believed in this because that's just something that ha- is invaluable, and you can't replace that with yeah at this moment. It's an interesting argument, isn't it? Um... I mean, if you follow the chart through to its conclusion, eventually AI will be powerful enough to do what I do. Right. But the AI in that content creation won't give you the audience that I've built up over the years. So it, I, I imagine eventually content creation by an AI will match that of a human. Um, I, I know the day will come, but hopefully by then my audience will be big enough and trust me enough <laughs> to to keep engagement with the content I, I produce because it's produced by me and, and my perspective. So right i think when we we do this for our faculty members as well and we're building up thought leaders you know remember it's not it's not the content that's valuable it's the audience that these people attract so the content helps you get there and good content will help you grow an audience quicker um but ultimately it's the individual and the brand that has the people interested in what it says um or or they say so yeah i I think the value is in the audience rather than the, the content in, in the future. And, and that's a very different way to think about marketing and how we build out content and content programs. But yeah, the day will come when these things can produce wonderfully artisanal and very personal content, but it's utterly produced by a machine. I'm quite excited for it, but at the same time, it's it's a, it's a massive shift that I thought wouldn't happen um, for like 30 years. But you know, here we are, we're less than a year in from the dawn of ChatGPT and we're already talking about general intelligence and chat GPT-5 maybe dropping by the end of the year and what that looks like. So um, fun times to be in marketing. Um, For me, this is the first time I've lived through a major shift in marketing as a professional. Um, I enjoyed the iPhone as a consumer, but I was still like a student then, so I wasn't really in the workforce. So this is my first big, um, big technological shift. It's very exciting. Love it, yes. And I know... Uh, I wanted to last, lastly cover a little bit around, you know, I know we've been really focusing on ChatGPT and text prompts. We talked a little bit about AI generative images, but 
also thought it was really valuable when I was listening to other people around, like, you know, what other AI tools are out there? It's because it's not just ChatGPT, right? And so just trying wow. to open the window and uh, widen the horizon of potential for higher ed marketers on what tools you can be using. And so I have a list of a few. I won't go into too much detail here, but um, aside from ChatGPT and uh, maybe AI generative tools like MidJourney that spit out more the photo kind of pictures, which I think in higher ed would probably more for, I don't, I just don't see them being used quite quickly yet just because they're not copyrighted and they're a little more like for fun, I would say, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But there's a couple other tools. Something like that. Right, right. Mm -hmm. it, it's getting better though. It's scary. If you look at like one year ago, it's like... I know. I've like seen the cartoons. comparisons. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> and then now and it's it looks like incredible. a, it looks like a 40 photography. Um, but yeah, <laughs> getting off the rails here, but there's also a lot of other tools. Um, a really cool one that I found recently was called video with V I D Y O video.ai. And that actually helps split your long form videos into smaller clips. Nice. So, if you're really strapped for like, let's say you film a student interview and you want to use it for marketing, right? Or maybe to highlight a student or department, you can start using AI tools to help you clip up those videos. And that saves so much time. If anyone's ever done any video editing work, it is a time consumer. Yeah. And so there's tools coming out to make the video processing of it easier. It's not perfect, right? It's, it's still getting worked on, but you know, Video editors, there's opportunity with AI tools as well to make your workflow easier so that one person can create 20 micro clips in a matter of a few minutes when that took days before in the past. Another cool one is a runway, and again, related to video. Uh, Incredible runway helps. Yeah. Yeah. So what this basically does is we were talking earlier about text to prompt, right? Like you can use a text to ask things to do stuff like hey, can you please send t-shirts to everyone who attended orientation week or something, right? Similar to that, this is a text prompt for video editing. So you can tell a video editor, hey, the background on this video is a little too dark. Can you brighten it up? Instead of having to learn Photoshop, or not, sorry, not Photoshop, Adobe Premiere, right? And to learn, okay, how do I like separate out the background and then line it up? This tool will help you do that. So for people who you know, are not as good at video editing, or let's say your video editor's out, or they just went to a new job and you need to still make videos for your institution. You can use tools like Runway to help edit your videos just via text to prompt and not having to actually learn the software. Um, and so I thought that was very, very powerful as well. And then lastly, the last one is uh, Microsoft Designer. It's an AI canvas to help you create marketing materials and you can add like branded logos and stuff. So let's say um, you, your campus has a lot of events and you need to create really quick banners. Sure, there's Canva and these tools that already make it easier, but this is just another thing that makes it even faster where you can text to prompt to, uh, to make like, hey, can you make a banner around a jazz fest coming up on September 9th? It starts at 9.30 a.m. Boom. <laughs> Puts you out an image for you. Can you please add, add the company logo? And it's specifically designed for creating ads. So you know it's good at adding logos in and, and such to, to, to apply to brand guidelines. So I thought those three were really cool. And they kind of opened my box. I'm like, hey, it's not just ChatGPT tools. Creative teams, which are often the most overloaded, can maybe get some relief with these tools. Yeah, I've um, 
mean, you've given some good ones there, so I won't I'll probably give uh, three examples myself. But there's a couple that stick out to me, and you know, as as a podcaster, Descript is just an, an incredible app. Um, so normally, when you're editing podcasts, you've got the timeline, and it's really hard to work out where you need to cut certain things. Well. With Descript, your transcript, uh, your editing timeline is literally the words that have been spoken, the transcript itself. And if you cut out words, you you edit down the the podcast. And there's a button, a single operation that can just delete every fuller word in an instant. So all those ums and errs that you're you know always cutting out, you can get rid of those. But the most amazing one it has to be when you mess up a line or a sentence you can actually replace your voice with an AI version of your voice with the thing you meant to say. And because it's in context of actual dialogue, you can't tell the difference when you play it back. So it's a little example of AI, right? It's not as dramatic as like chat GPT, but I think sometimes the best AI is that what is uh, invisible, right? It just fits in those, those gaps and it makes this good creative production but it's helped you get there 10 times quicker. The other one, and I think that a lot of people uh, listening to this will relate to, is what Microsoft's doing with Copilot. And Copilot is the um, Microsoft Office Suites AI. So with Copilot, if you've got the latest version of um, the Microsoft apps, uh, you can literally go into PowerPoint, drop a Word doc in, uh, just a massive text file, and it will create a PowerPoint presentation within five seconds. A beautiful looking wow. PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All of these build basic functions that we've had to spend hours on in the past. If you've got a horrible Word doc, you can turn it into this very visual document. You can type in how you want to change things, and it will do it in front. It adds animation and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Even does it with Excel. So if you can't do something in Excel, usually I'd, well, I used to walk down the corridor and ask an expert to help me with these sort of things. You can actually tell Excel what you want to do and it will do everything for you. Formulas, pivot tables, whatever you need it to do via the AI. And, you know, that for me is how these technologies enter um, into day-to-day -day use. Let's not say ChatGPT isn't used day-to-day. -day. It's got something ridiculous like I think it's 1.2 billion users now. But, you know, Microsoft Suite actually having these tools embedded as standard that's how it becomes uh, the norm. I, I just seen that, and I, I just think it's incredible what Microsoft's done there. You know, these are real basic operations, but things that just make people's lives a lot easier. Wow. Okay. the 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 slide deck creation is powerful. I run <laughs> webinars too, and it, it's it's so funny because the format of a podcast that's video recorded, like we're doing right now, and a webinar are so similar. But because it's called a webinar, you have to find the host, create the slides, come up with all the speaking points. Yeah. It, you know, it's a little less conversational. It's more educational, right? And so mm -hmm. the amount of effort it takes to create a webinar or set up a webinar is, I would say, like four, five, six X, right? Because there's also yeah, promotion sure. of the event, which takes a, a huge load of time. And to just save a little time on the slide deck part, which is usually the hardest part for me. Mm -hmm. that's massive well um wow. that's yours now you can do anything you want with that information <laughs> if you've got powerpoint yeah knock yourself out you go for it that's you've cool. got that uh, time back in your life dang that's awesome <laughs> google when are you coming out with this because 
our uh, our tech stack is with Google, unfortunately. <laughs> well, maybe you should move to Microsoft. <laughs> well, I'm only with Microsoft probably, because uh, I look after university clients, and you know, if you don't use the Microsoft Suite, it's very hard to connect with people, right? So, um, yep. but yeah, it's, uh, it's PowerPoint's way more um, uh, effective now than it used to be. I'm actually thinking of switching from I use Pitch, so but yeah, now PowerPoint can do that. I'm very interested. I love it. Oh man, this has been such a fun conversation. It's, I feel like we keep going, but you know, we'll, we'll make it a little more, more digestible, keep it under the hour mark and cool. maybe we can have recorded episode three in six months when the whole the world of AI has already changed again. <laughs> yeah. When open AI is no longer relevant and it's something else. Yeah. Can't wait. Right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining as a guest again, Kyle, where can some of our listeners reach out to you and Please tell them about your amazing newsletter. It's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, the best place to connect with me is um, educationmarketer.co.uk. Um, the, the first CTA you'll see there is sign up to the newsletter. I send it out every um, couple of weeks, and it's a, a concise digest of what matters to education marketers. So there's a range of higher ed news. There's what's going on in digital content and media. And there's always like a good section there about what universities are doing with their marketing. So if you want to save yourself time on personal development and you can't be bothered to you know, find all your information in different sources, it's a, uh, it's a good one-stop shop. If you just want a very quick hit of uh, information, uh, that and LinkedIn, obviously I'm all over that. Amazing. And obviously if, you know, a quick message from our sponsors, if your school needs an updated interactive map, virtual tour or centralized events calendar, please reach out to concept3d.com as well. We'd love to hear about your problems, pain points, and how we can help solve them. Thanks so much, Kyle. We'll talk soon. Have fun. See you soon. Bye-bye.